Hi, I'm Candace Michelle, and this is Our Community. So the fireworks continue with the Janelle Howard issue. Last week, former City Councilor John McKinney was my guest, and he spoke extensively about the -the behind-the-scenes activities that led up to Howard's reinstatement as city manager. You can listen to the podcast with McKinney on our website, kciw.org, under Our Community. Then at the City Council meeting on February 27th, former Brookings police officer Brian Holmes resigned, saying he could no longer work for a council and city manager that put the well-being of one above the well-being of so many others. The video of the City Council meeting can be found on the city's website, brookings.or.us. Then, as if that weren't enough, right? On Tuesday, around 10.30 in the morning, a Portland woman, I believe her name is Dana Nielsen, was found dead under some bushes on the side of Ellensburg Avenue in Gold Beach. According to the Curry Coastal Pilot, the woman and her dog were arrested for car camping on February 25th in Port Orford. She was booked and released on the afternoon of February 26th in Gold Beach. She subsequently died from exposure. According to the report, she was offered a ride back to her car in Port Orford, but refused, which, if you know the circumstances, makes perfect sense. She couldn't get her dog back. Her dog had been taken and was in the Humane Society up there. Um, That was her family. And if she was being taken back to the scene of the original arrest, which was her only shelter from the elements, her car, wouldn't she just get arrested again in freezing weather? (laughs) This isn't rocket science. In fact, I think it's pretty close to murder. At the least, a reckless and callous disregard for human life. Joining me today is Brookings Corps Response Executive Director Diana Cooper. Diana, this is It's simply horrific to me. I, you know, we're we're kind of used to being on the on the radar of the news for bad stuff in Curry County. It seems like that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, but how do we justify treating human beings like just so much trash? Mm. Yeah, I. I know that, um, you know, my experience with volunteering and working in agencies over the last almost 10 years now, having lived experience and and then seeing the other side of that, you know, I can definitely understand now um, that, you know, most of the work is done by social service agencies that are really uh, nonprofits, not necessarily state uh, entities. And there's this real um, scarcity that agencies go through. I mean, you have to prove every dollar that you spend and that it was worthy. And there's a lot of red tape. Um, And that's not an excuse, but that's certainly something I didn't expect, um, you know, coming into this from someone with lived experience. You know, we all think like, well, I'm going to get in there and and I know how to fix it. And then we get in and we realize how many roadblocks there really are. And as a person with lived experience, that's maddening that um, there's so many and some of them are so arbitrary. And so it's been, 
Oh, it's been an interesting learning experience the last 10 years, understanding kind of how all of our systems came together. And certainly this, this is just not, we're not, we're not made to address these issues. Um, you know, we're made to uh, think of these as a secondary uh, situation. You know, our main issues are um, people in housing. Our main issues are our businesses, our roads, our sewer. You know, those are, that's what the city thinks about. That's what the county thinks about. And these are sort of secondary issues that if you want to help, you can get involved in. And it's quite backwards, but that's where, you know, we come from scarcity of supplies, of resources, of um, human resources. And that's my opinion. And my experience is that it's just so much scarcity. And, and even us, you know, we get a shipment of supplies in and I can tell, you know, we can all feel that it's almost like now we have it. And all we can think about is that it's going to be gone soon. So we're just trying to figure out who's the most needy, who's the most, you know, hurting at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really not a healthy place to be at. Um, And, and actually that's kind of why in running our winter shelter, you know, we're really, really overemphasizing the resources. We're really providing as much meals as possible, as much staffing and support as possible, um, activities, uh, you know, just other community partners, just saturating it with these resources that people have been without for so long. And it takes a while sometimes for that to catch hold because people are so used to scarcity. But I think, you know, in the situation with, um, uh, did you say Dana is her name? I think her name is Dana Nielsen. Yeah, that's what I, I read too. I think that's what I saw. Yeah. So, you know, in the situation with Dana, and I don't know all of the details there, um, but this is just a routine, you know, this is a routine move along, I would imagine, for for all intents purposes. You know, when somebody's in a parking in a place where they're not allowed to be, um, they give they kind of tolerate it for so long. And even if there's no out and out crime happening um eventually enough people see it or you know get annoyed with it and call it in and you know the police it, there's very few options for the police and i don't know you know that that's probably something that we could change as a society but the way that things stand um the police have very few options so outside of arresting someone i mean i'm not sure what more they're able to do so once police get involved in a situation like that, it's probably not going to end with the person um, finding the resources they need. And that's not to say that there are, you know, there are some police officers on the force that really are tuned into what the resources are and what the community is like. And then there are some where it really is their, it's their job and they're really there to enforce. And so we see, you know, all different, all different, um, temperaments and and feelings coming from officers. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know what that whole situation was about. And it's really, it is really unfortunate. I, it's not the first person though, that's passed. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day that, you know, the situation itself, um, I didn't really have a reaction to it. I didn't feel sad or upset or anything because um, when you expect that to happen, it, I mean, there's not much emotion that comes when it does happen, and we shouldn't be expecting anything else. If there are people out there listening that are expecting 
um, that people are going to find some sort of shelter miraculously or find some sort of resource um, miraculously. Like we, we know how much people push against that, not just some community members, but leadership. We know how much that there's been pushback. And so, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I, I expect, I expected more and we've had more pass away in the last three years from exposure and other um, different environmental issues, whether they had medical complications. So um, it's, I didn't really respond much to that. I think um, what I responded to was the sudden outcry from the community, which I'm, is in, in some way very welcoming because like, okay, now we're all seeing something. We're all seeing the same thing. Um, and we can agree mm -hmm. on what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a needless death. And and yeah. in some ways, it can be a little bit maddening that you know, um, when we have when I have ten people messaging me that yeah, how can this happen and um, what are we going to do to prevent this from happening? Of course, we're going to move. We're going to build on that energy, but it also makes me take a step back and think, you know, where have you been for three years? And it's been longer than three years, right? We've had oh, we've had homelessness mm -hmm. since probably Brookings was founded, but. Um, the last three years, there's been a major effort, not just by us, but um, the coalition, St. Timothy's, the food bank, the coast, so many agencies um, to combat this and come together. And so, and some of those larger projects, you know, Oasis as well, some of the larger projects have received just beyond pushback, like actual mm -hmm. threats and vitriol. And so, I truly wish that those who are mourning this situation are also looking forward and looking ahead to how they can support these efforts because we're not, you know, we are going to step in and we are going to help. We are helping. And I know we're going to talk more about that, but, um, yeah, I, that's where I, um, experienced the feelings around the situation was seeing so many people, um, and some of those people, the the very people that spoke out against us, um, reaching out to us. And, you know, it's a little bit of bitter irony, but I also welcome people coming around and, and right. seeing this. So, right, right. yeah, it's, it, it is a, it's a, a funny kind of thing when, when mm -hmm. the people that you've been talking to and, and have been just seeing their eyes glaze over. Mm. Suddenly, are saying or not not wait, getting it. Wait, you know, yeah. I not getting it exactly. Not one of the it. one of the comments that was made at the town hall for Project Turnkey was that you know veterans have a place to go, and you know, I'm, this woman I I don't believe was a veteran, but just that was one of the comments that came from this, and that comment could be that it's so that is so many people. Um, People are saying, like, you know, well, veterans, they they have resources, they have this space. People are saying, oh, well, if you're a senior or a person with a disability, you know, there's a resource for that. And yes. And there clearly um, isn't. Technically, there are resources for that, but these resources are underfunded and, and also have yeah. high, high restrictions for a lot of the yep. services they provide. So it's not like we have a resource for that that just jumps in. It requires a lot of coordination. You know, when somebody is, we know this, when somebody is fully disabled, unable to even sit up, and they are homeless, 
it is, you know, we think like, well, if somebody really was in need, um, that service is there to step in. But, you know, with coordination from multiple agencies, it takes, it could take up to three months for someone who can't even sit up to get off the street. And so what we hear and what we heard at the town hall and other events is, um, you know, like basically, well, if there was a real need, like something would happen. So yours must not mm-hmm. be a real need. That That's the kind of mentality that we hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we've been saying for a while that that's not true. Um, but I think that maybe this event, you know, a few people have kind of said, well, that that's not how this, that's not how I thought this was supposed to go. And right. maybe that's something turning for them. And yeah. I had heard that, um, that she was possibly a, a domestic violence um, survivor or that, that she had basically, that's why she left Portland. And um, that, I mean, when you think about that each of these people has a story, each of them has a mm-hmm. story. And the story is not, oh, they'd rather live outside. The mm-hmm. story is that they are escaping something or they are trying to escape something or they are trying to put their life back together. And it looks odd to people mm-hmm. who live in houses and can take showers every day and stuff. It looks odd that that a woman would live in her car with her dog and somehow not right, right? I mean, there's something wrong with her if she's living mm-hmm. in her car with her dog. There was nothing wrong with her. She was trying to escape mm-hmm. a life that didn't work and to fix it. And I think if you if you actually start making yourself aware of some of the stories that are that are behind these people, then maybe you're not quite so judgmental. Maybe you're not yeah. so I don't know. And I don't I think this situation um it kind of in order to get the public to become, you know, to, in order to get public outcry it kind of has to tick a lot of boxes. Um, is, that's been my observation. Um, and hers certainly did. She was elderly. She was a woman. Um, she was fairly well put together from what I'm understanding. Of course, I don't have all the information either. I did not. No, none of um, us do. Yeah. I only, I, I don't know that necessarily that the situation with the domestic violence is, is accurate. I think that this person might have been escaping essentially probably some sort of trauma, but um, I'm not sure about the situation with the domestic violence because I know that, um, well, a lot of people who are out on the street do experience forms of domestic violence and other forms of trauma. So it really doesn't matter, I guess. But, no. um, right. but yeah, I, I don't know, you know, this person's whole situation, but a lot of, a lot of the descriptions check the boxes, you know, um, when you have someone who had a who's, dog, which, yes, you know, she had, had a for dog. Our beautiful having a dog, dog really yeah. matters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, and was arrested. I mean, the whole diet of exposure. That's that's pretty. That ticks a pretty big box for people. Yep. Um, because there's no way to, you know, there's no way to turn that around in your head. It's like, well, that's mm-hmm. clear. They they died of the elements, so you can't say like, well, maybe. 
Um, Because if it was unknown, it's like, well, well, maybe it was meth. Well, maybe they OD. There's a lot of speculation. But when it's something like this, and it's very clear that it wasn't their fault, um, then we're able to pull that compassion out of us and put it on the table. But it takes, you know, I think I've I've mentioned this um, term a few times over our our, um, interviews, but the term, you know, trauma porn, where in order for me to give you my empathy, I require payment of um, your trauma. I, I require seeing the messy parts of it. I require hearing the details. I want the gossip, the news. And um, it, when we put that stipulation out there, it's, it is only under the extreme circumstances that people come together. And we see that a lot anyway, right? When the fires happen, everybody comes together. But why don't we come mm-hmm. together for just everyday homelessness or everyday mm-hmm. situations? Um, because it has to be, it has to tick all the right boxes. We have to be privy to those um, private details that are none of our business. Um, because and that are messy. That's the you know, yes. Yeah. That's that's the payment for our empathy, and right. that is what I consider to be trauma porn. And so, you know, I, I don't. There are a lot of people who are um, justifiably upset about it, and and then I think, I think there are some that um, tend to withhold their outrage until they know it was the other per. You know, it was it was not that person's fault, and this one was pretty right. quick. So. Yeah. That's why we see the public outcry. And I I first saw about it on Facebook, and it looked like people were almost almost right away saying, "What can we do? How right. how can how can we stop this? What can we do?" Um, yeah, which is uh, yeah great. I mean, that's you know, I yes, mean, that is the appropriate response. I want those people to um dedicate time and i don't necessarily mean by volunteering or anything like that but i want those people to say to themselves i'm gonna i'm gonna hold on to this um this will this empathy i'm gonna hold on to this for a year not until it dies down but for a year because a year with um with with one person's support for a year you you can really do a lot of things but with all of the people that are outraged or upset about this right now, you know, in, in a year from now, if I haven't heard from them or we haven't seen them or nothing else is, you know, they've, they've not held on to that. Um, it's really hard to make movement because if we could just take this feeling and go back in time three years with what they know now and what they've seen now, you know, we wouldn't be in the same situation we are at the moment. So if we could hold that empathy for a year, we we might make some progress as a community. Yep, yep. Seems to me that, um, you know, one of the problems is the whole car camping ordinance stuff. Um, huge problem. Why? Huh? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, why why would you make it illegal for somebody who has nowhere else to go to sleep in their car? So I I understand that you know if they're in a neighborhood that that perhaps the neighbors are concerned you know they see somebody there that doesn't technically live in a house there 
But certainly if there was any kind of political will to fix this, each one of the cities could have found a place that a parking lot that would be an mm -hmm. okay parking lot for people to park their cars in if they are, can't, you know, they have nowhere to go but their cars. And it just, it's not like this is an insoluble problem. Right. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of different solutions out there. The um, reason why we haven't moved forward with the solutions and the reason why, um, that they even made it illegal to sleep in your vehicle. I mean, it sounds pretty barbaric, right? You know, you, it's like you own a car and um, you're not allowed to pull over on the side of the road and sleep with it. I mean, most people would would be up in arms, like, that's my right. But, you know, you don't really have a lot of rights when you don't have a residence. So it's a little bit harder to fight back. And it certainly is hard to gather. You know, if, if the police came to my door tomorrow and said, we're not going to let you sleep in your house for three days, my neighbors would be up in arms. <laughs> um, and and most of them, you know, well, they just don't tolerate a lot of stuff anyway, but there would be an outcry because my neighbors know me, um, you know, they, that it's my right. But when you're, um, when you are without a residence, your neighbor is also usually without a residence and you just, it doesn't hold as much weight, you know? So mm -mm. there's less rights, but the, the main issue is, um, and this is the issue with all, all the situations that have to do with homelessness, again, from my experience, um, mm -hmm. is the secondary crime. So, uh, homelessness is not a crime. However, we are criminalizing people who are homeless because of secondary crimes. So crimes of nature that usually spur out of homelessness. So if you, you know, if you thought about this is very basic and this is not like the most common one, but if you were without food every single day and you had no money, it, there's a high, higher possibility of you stealing food than say uh, me who I have an income and I have a place to store food. So, right. So it's a, it's a secondary crime. But the concern about secondary crime is why is why we pass these um, overreaching laws and ordinances that criminalize everyday actions. Um, you know, sleeping in your vehicle for somebody who's driving up and down the coast, probably not a big deal. But for someone who's homeless, that that's a little bit more, I mean, it definitely causes a reaction for people. And so it's the secondary crime where we say, um, we're going to make it illegal for you to sleep in your car because we're worried about you the trash might. that's going to accumulate. We're worried yes. that you might be using drugs. We're worried about these other crimes that are real crimes. And so we're going to put in a preventative law um, that by de facto reduces your rights because we're worried that you could commit a crime. That that in no world is that logical. But in the no. in the world of homelessness, we we have agreed as a society it's necessary. And um and it's even helpful and beneficial and, and healthy for a community to have preventative laws such as this. And and it's it is not helpful, it is not healthy for anybody in the community. Because we're exacerbating issues of homelessness and 
I don't know if people think that they're not paying for it because I don't know. I'm, I mean, people are upset oftentimes when social services expand, like our services, because they don't want to pay for it. But the real payment that they're making is, I mean, have you seen the law enforcement budget? And so we're nothing. We're a drop in the water. In fact, I I remember when we went, um, when I went down to the city council, I think it was June or July of 2020, when they were going to pass the ordinance to create a community resource officer. And I let them know that you could hire three of me for one community resource officer. And so we are a really good return on investment. Um, we work for pennies and we put out pounds. So um, when it comes to homelessness, so if that's the issue we're trying to solve, the law enforcement budget isn't going to affect that at all. So, and I'm not no, saying divert not money, you know, they're- I'm not saying defund the police, certainly. Um, what I am saying is that uh, when we are creating laws that preemptively, preemptively um Cause I mean you you're almost breaking the law just by living at some point, and um, and that's what Dana essentially was doing was she was committing a crime um, by sitting and breathing, and that's how we've we've done that we've created that um, we've cr- we have made her a criminal just by um, basically saying well we're worried about these other crimes and that you might commit right. Because somebody else committed a crime who was homeless, mm-hmm. Dana died. Right. And yeah. so that's what we've created as a society. And you can't go back from that. Uh, the woman is dead, mm-hmm. you know? She's, she was 62 years old. Uh, she, had, she had years of life ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And she's now dead. And she froze to death. I mean, I... I I don't know how you get through to the people Mm -hmm. that it obviously matters that you get through to, that Mm -hmm. those kinds of, of, you know, car camping ordinances, you're, you're indirectly causing people's death. I mean, that's all they've got. She's not the first that has been affected by the car camping ordinance, although Obviously, you know, this happened in Gold Beach, Port Orford area, but, you know, Brookings, we have, it's, again, it has to tick the boxes. If you can't show a clear connection to um, this, this horrible event happening and um, what caused it and clearly show that it was not the person's that, you know, that that person's fault, then it makes it much harder you know, people in their minds, they're like, well, but maybe they had it come. You know, it's just, it's a weird mm-hmm. um, yes, situation that we get in. But mm-hmm. this is not the first person who has died from a car camping ordinance in Curry County. You know, when we had many, many people pass away over 2020, 2021, there was a period of time where we had 10 people pass away in, I think, a six-month period of time. And most of them was within three months. And then a few over the the next three months, and so, and they, it was various reasons, but there were a couple of situations where, and and it would take a long walk for me to explain to someone why it's the same situation as Dana's. It would take a lot of justification because, again, we really really like it when we 
get all the dirty details of something so we can decide if we want to be empathetic. Hmm. And it would take me a long time to explain all those details in the way that it, it wouldn't for Dana. You know, it was very easy. Right. The paper could right. explain it. But, um, right. but clearly, we know that there were individuals who passed away because of the car camping ordinance that was passed in Brookings in December of 2020, just barely a few weeks before Christmas. And, and I, I spoke out against that. And I, and I told them, you know, this will cause harm to people. Because if you can't, if you can't park in town safely and you have to go out in the mountains, I mean, do you know how many calls we get from people out there that now they've gotten out there, they're, they're safe out of town. You know, the residents are safe because they're out of town, even though these people are not causing any issues. And now they're stuck out of town, potentially in life-threatening situations. And we've, we've received numerous calls to get, you know, someone to tow them out, to, to bring gas up, to come give them a ride. Not because they want to be out there and, and they stupidly went out there without gas, but because it was their only choice and it was the safer option. And that's what's sad, you know, that that was the safer option. So we have one individual a couple of years ago who um, was really struggling to get medical care because he was so far out and he would have to go out there all the time and he couldn't come in every day and he would miss calls. You know, he didn't have a phone that had service out there. So mm -hmm. when his doctor would call us and we couldn't reach him, he would miss appointments and things would happen. It was just very hard to coordinate. And, and he passed away from very preventable illnesses. And so to, to say that that was a result of the car camping again that's going that would take me a long time to explain to someone how that happened but that's absolutely what happened and we we have no doubt of it no so no yeah no so you you pass laws that are you know preventative supposedly and what you end up doing is you know maybe maybe you prevent one or two crimes but what you definitely do is negatively impact the lives of scores of people, scores of them who, you know, they don't have anything. It's not like they mm -hmm. can just go, oh, okay, no, no problem. I'll move along. It's like, right. Yeah. They have nowhere to go. I mean, they may, honestly, people are, people are finding any, anything that they can to get out of the weather. And oftentimes mm. it's, buying with whatever little money they have a broken down vehicle that isn't going to yeah. run no matter how much you put into it and and they just they're in it until the cops tow it away and they know that and it's i mean imagine being in that situation like it just for the people who are listening um and and you know if you've ever had those thoughts where um You've seen someone who is homeless or who's down and out and you've just, I mean, probably a lot of people don't necessarily think this way, but um, some, I, I imagine some do, uh, they have to, um, but you, you see someone and you think like, well, they don't, they shouldn't be here or, or whatever the, you know, your negative feelings on the situation are, um, they also know the moral code that is unspoken that they should not be um, poor, that they should not be homeless. They also know that it's wrong. It's not wrong, but we've made it wrong. And so they also know that. And in order to live, in order to go to 
sleep at night, if you can sleep at night, um, you have to find a way to be okay. You have to, like, you, I mean, for as much as I see, um, I mean, usually it's, it's just people that are not worth listening to, but as much as you see people on, you know, Facebook who are just like, yeah, they all need to go away. They all need to go, you know, whatever. Um, but in doing, in, in, in talking about it and saying those things, like, do we think that they don't feel that way? That they should just go away forever? They feel that way. I mean, when I was homeless, I did. I thought, well, nobody wants to see me. I need to just go away and hide. Like, we, you know, people want to express so much vitriol and anger to them. They understand they're not welcome. They fully understand they're not welcome. They already And in know. order for them yeah. to, in order for them to sleep at night, um, you know, they have to find a way to, I mean, you can't live your life feeling like you're a piece of shit. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Sorry. Um, Not allowed but you to can't. say that, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you, you, you cannot, you would be depressed your whole life, you know, and, that, and a lot yeah. of people out there are depressed, but it's yeah. situational. You know, they, they don't try to stay in it. It's, it's amazing how people can even be in a good mood and be homeless. But, um, you know, they know has there, that they're... Mm -hmm. Has there been any attempt um, to to get some kind of an emergency shelter going so that yeah, so, at the very right, yeah. least they can legally get out of the freezing? I mean, this winter has been exceptionally bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a couple of different... Um, so a few months ago, our agency, Brookings Correspondence, and then... Um, the Curry Homeless Coalition received funding from our community action agency to open winter shelters. And, you know, we hooked up with the motel that we had used last year, and we currently have 10 rooms that are available, although they're, they're not actually available because they've been full from the beginning. And we have an application process and a, a wait list. And I know that the coalition also has, um, you know, quite a process. And then... How many are on your wait list? Um, well, so we were just reviewing that tonight uh, because we opened uh, another. This is not a shelter. This is a, it's a warming center. But, right. you know, people are uh, resting. And so we were reviewing that tonight to try to get people in from off our wait list. And I, there's actually, I think, over 60 people on the wait list. However, most of those people, well, okay, most of them are just individual people, but there's probably a good one third of them that are, um, you know, couples or um, they have children and families. I think some of them have three or four children. So you can imagine there's close to, um, plus the ones that we have in the winter shelter, there's close to 100 people, you know, out there seeking housing, seeking shelter on need. any given day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who need help. Yeah, so that that's been going. We we opened in January, I believe that the coalition also opened in January, and they I think have more rooms than we do. They have a little bit more flexibility um, than we do. But um, so that's been going Diana, on. Diana, is months. your dog running around? It's my cat. Is she, it's your so cat. she's not okay. very she's not very polite. Um, no. and she's also Diana and fairly... I do this this conversation from our homes, and and I I'm I'm looking at her, and I can see 
things are moving in and her you can world. hear the banging so, yes. yeah she's she's oh she's Tell very your cat lazy to settle and won't down. Use the steps she won't use the steps on her um where her food is so she jumps to my table instead which is very annoying of course but of that's course. cats you know so anyway yeah, yeah. um sorry <laughs> wait yes yeah, so so the shelters so they've been going since january and then um a couple of days ago gosh everything's running so much together right now and my if i sound a little out of sorts it's because i'm very tired but um i don't think you've had a lot of sleep i have not had a lot of, I, no. I haven't had a lot of sleep but i mean there's definitely times i've been with less sleep but right now it's been constant movement and right phone calls and right. texts and whatever so um so a couple let me think yesterday maybe today's saturday so y- yeah yeah we're, we're recording this on saturday night so right, friday right. morning ish i received an email several of us received an email from um wild rivers community foundation and humble area foundation and i think there were some other people in the email um right. basically saying like hey it's going to freeze again what what do we need to do to get um a, a warming center open in curry county and right. um my understanding is port orford was able to open up one pretty quickly they've had one you know going yearly i think or at least before covid mm-hmm. so they had w- got one open um yesterday and started last night and that has 10 beds and then you know immediately we jumped in with the coalition oasis um st timothy's gosh coast community health the food wow. bank. I mean, there's so many wow. people. DHS is involved. We've contacted um, people from the state. Orca wow. had Orca shipped down, I think, four or five pallets of supplies to our our wow. center. Um, wow. Today, I we unloaded those at about three o'clock, and it's a lot of stuff. And then they had also made a, a delivery in Gold Beach and probably Port Orford. But um, yeah, basically we we were able to get several locations open. I mean, it took us until today. Uh, we were hoping to have gotten these yet. Yeah, now, now you can hear my dog in the background. So it's, Absolutely. it's animal central Gina. over here. It's Gina. Um, yeah. I'm surprised there's not children running through or chickens or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we, we scrambled. Um, we originally had gotten the permission to use the Head Start building at the school at Azalea. So um, I, we went over there and um, got the key and we kind of started, they went and moved everything out of the way. They were trying to set up for us oh, really quickly. Nice. Very kind. I mean, so lovely mm-hmm. for them to put out all this effort suddenly. Yep. And, um, but that was just not, for several reasons, that wasn't going to be a good location for us. So, um, and we had to wait till today for some of the logistics so um, by today, we were able to secure a, a better location. So up in Gold Beach, that's Good. that's open. We're able to open a space down here in Brookings um, at one of our community partners has a building in town that had a, a, a floor basically big enough for us to put some mm-hmm. beds down. And um, and so we we have a capacity of 20. I'm not sure how much they have in Gold Beach. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then... I, we don't know, you know, if how long this is going to go on. Um, right now, it I'm I'm my understanding is that the coalition is probably 
taking the lead in Gold Beach, but I know that Oasis is also supporting quite a bit, and so I can't I can't specify who's the lead up there. Who's doing? I know what? down. Yeah. yeah, we. It's in fact, it's been such a commotion for the last twenty four hours or or longer that um, we've barely. But you know, Gold Beach when when Brookings realized we were going to get a site too. Um, everybody kind of split into teams and we've just been going. And so we haven't even had a chance to really touch base with everybody right. up in Gold Beach to see how it's going. But, you know, I'm hearing that it's moving along and they're getting a lot of support. And then we, right. we've we received a ton of support. We have um, a volunteer list and that filled up very quickly. All of the shifts are currently covered, although we're still accepting for shifts because People are getting pretty tired pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I asked someone to take my shift that, that midnight to 6 a.m. because I'm, I really need to get some sleep. But, um, so we've, we have a lot of volunteers down here. Um, and fortunately, all of the volunteers that signed up are people that work in agencies with this population of people and they're, they're all trained, they're all experienced. It's v- kind of ideal situation. Everybody came together. Um, tonight, um, Olivia and her husband at the food bank are taking part of the shift. And then I know, um, Michelle and Lauren from St. Tim's are going to show up in the middle of the night and take that morning shift. And, um, and then we'll figure it out from there. So in the mornings, we'll probably be taking everybody to St. Tim's as kind of a day center and Mm -hmm. cleaning up and preparing for the next night. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taking the lead on this because we we're running the other shelter in town. And so we have the insurance and all of the um, logistics, but you know, St. Tim's and all the agencies are really providing all the staffing and support. So it's just a huge effort. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the city is involved. Oh, now that's a bit of a surprise. So tell me about major, major involvement from the city on a, on a, Friday night and Saturday. So I'm, I want to really say how much I know there are times where it certainly seems like I, I'm frustrated with the city and sometimes I really am, but most of the time it's just a a lot of, you know, logistical stuff that I, I would like to see happen with the city, but yeah, no, the city really pulled through. And, um, I think it was this morning, gosh, it really is all running together, but you know, I've been on the phone all morning with um, Janelle down at the city. And then um, I talked to Ed, our counselor, um, for a little bit. And I've talked with, you know, I talked with Coast Community Health and all of these other agencies. And the city was able to pull together, um, I don't know if they voted by email or what the deal was, but basically passed, you know, an agreement for us to be able to open this emergency um, warming center. And um, the fire marshal came down and inspected, and I had heard he was out in training. So they, you know, they they pulled wow. the captain in, and then I think mm-hmm. the fire marshal himself came a little later. So um, everybody has been very responsive. The county mm-hmm. is being very responsive, but also wanting to really make sure that the cities are taking the lead, so they're not stepping on everybody's toes. But right, um, right. yeah, we've had a lot of m- support. Um, from the city this weekend, so I, we couldn't we couldn't have opened today had they not gathered. So that's we excellent. we very much appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. It just seems like um, 
having a, a an emergency warming center is it, it it feels like it's a no brainer to me. It's like why why would you not have a warming center? Mm. I mean, particularly well, certainly, when mm-hmm. the temperatures are so low. I mean, right. That's normal in communities. You would have, um, you know, most communities, especially those that experience a lot of inclement weather, but most communities have an ordinance or a law that states, you know, when the weather gets over 100 degrees, we open a cooling center for the day. Um, When the weather gets under, you know, sometimes it's 40 degrees, sometimes it's as low as um, when the weather gets under 32 degrees, which that's ridiculous. If it's under yeah. 45 or 40, we should, we should really be considering opening something up because, um, we're not waiting for people to freeze before we bring them in. We're saying that would hope they're not. in such a, no, yeah. I mean, when it gets down under 45 and 40 and it's raining, that's when um, that's when people are very miserable. They're, um, I mean, I'm not going to say like the weather causes people to be reactive, but certainly we have, people are in distress a lot more. The last few weeks, you know, on our staff, and I'm sure that this is the case for everybody that's in support right now is the last few weeks have been very stressful. Um, and, and yes, on us, but obviously we know that that's because it's mostly stressful for the people out there in it. But people are coming in, you know, who normally have pretty decent attitudes or who, you know, are maybe fairly light users of whatever substance and, and or maybe they um, are, are doing really well with their mental health. Um, but the last couple of weeks, we've just seen a lot of people in a sideways, you know, situation. And that makes it a lot harder, especially when we open something like this emergency um, warming center. It's difficult because everybody's on edge, everybody's stressed out, everybody's in crisis. And so we want to bring people in and and stabilize them. But we also understand that um, that's when fights happen. That's when things happen. So we have to be really careful and make sure we're supporting everybody. So tonight, you know, we just got the uh, center open. I think we started bringing people in at five o'clock and we were so worried we weren't going to be able to do it tonight. Um, Mm -hmm. But we we started bringing people in. And I mean, first of all, everybody's just exhausted. Not I, I don't mean volunteers. We are too. But the people coming in, you know, they just immediately came in and sat in chairs and just, they were just sitting there just trying to get warm and, and just yep. rest. Some people just laid down right away. Uh, they're just yep. tired. So, um, well, it's, you know, it so is thankfully. tiring mm-hmm. to battle the elements. I mean, that is exhausting. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're out there trying to stay warm in some way, shape or form. Your body is physically going through a tremendous amount of stress. Yeah. And I can't even really like I now after having COVID and all that, I can't handle the cold as much. Um, it's it's painful for me. And I can't even imagine being out there now. Um, I mean, it was bad enough when we were out there. But I think that I was, you know, that was 10 years ago when we when we got out of homelessness. In fact, 10 years ago right now was probably some of our worst times because we got we we went into treatment in June 
So um, March, though, was when we really started spiraling. I mean, we were, that was when we were in a tent in the rain. That was when we were um, just walking alongside of the road at nine o'clock at night, things we hadn't experienced before. So um, this is not a good time to, for people to be home. I mean, there's never a good time, no. but the, this is some of the coldest season. And in Brookings, this is some of the coldest weather we've had in a long time. I've lived here my entire life outside of the seven years I was in Medford. And um, growing up here, I can remember just a few times that it snowed, just a few times. And it was mostly in the mountains and it didn't stick. And so this is, this is something else. And we really need to be prepared. Yep. I have I have small pockets around my yard where the sun just hasn't quite shone in that are still have ice. Yeah. You know, it's it's not been warm enough to melt all the ice. Right. And it's supposed to stay fairly cool, I mean cold, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um through most of the week I thought I saw that it was going to be in the low 40s until, you know, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, of yeah, course, anything can happen. But at least it's not the low 30s. I know. I mean, yeah. that's that's when I start getting like. It's just, it's the, it's the folks that we still have out there with very chronic health conditions that we're worried about. Yep. And yep. Um, there's so many people that are elderly out there. It just, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are more impacted by inclement weather. You know, we have people who are in their 30s who, who just, their health is not able to handle it. I mean, when you're homeless, like it really ages you, you know, it takes, it, it impacts your health in such a way that, um, you're almost less healthy than a, just a normal individual 67 year old, you know? Yep. So yep, exactly. it's, but, but again, and I think I got away from this, but what we really need to do, and actually, um, the feedback that I received from the city today was that, this is not a one-time thing. We fully intend on codifying this into our ordinances that, yes, there, if we have inclement weather, there will be a response. And this is huge for us. Wow. This is huge, That's huge. huge. Yeah. Huge. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, and I we, don't, have to, we have to hold them to it, right? We have to hold yeah. them to it. And I... I I mean, I fully believe that that's what they want to do, and we're prepared to do that. I'm I'm so relieved to hear that because you know mm-hmm. part of my you know when we're when we were running for council, we all had kind of like you know why we're running and all of the things we were thinking about. But then also, I'm sure we each had like you know I want to bring this before the city council. Like this is this is a big deal for me and and something that I have experienced and I could provide insight to. And that was the one for me. I I very much wanted to see an ordinance passed that stated um, when there's inclement weather, we have a response. As a city, we have a responsibility. We're owning that um, because we don't want people to die in our city limits from things that are wholly preventable. And weather is one of those. We, we can't change the weather. Well, I mean, humans are definitely changing the weather, but we can't change the yes. weather today. Um, right. But we can provide a safe space from it. So I that that was 
really heavy on my mind through the entire mm-hmm. campaign. And it was such a relief to hear Janelle say that today. And, you know, I, I think I reiterated that maybe with Ed a little bit and um, just completely positive responses from them both. So it was very um, encouraging. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Because mm-hmm. when you, when you think about it, um, so you're the, the winter warming thing that you've got going at the motel, you've, so you've got 10 ish people right. handled and the, this emergency shelter, you've got 20 ish people handled. And it's not, and so we're, it's not really, and I know this is semantics, but it's not really an emergency shelter. It's really a warming center because okay. we don't, I know it's very, it's, no, but it, it matters, not, obviously. Yeah, it, it, matters. it does. It does matter. Yeah. And yeah. A, a, it's very, very temporary, but it's also for a very specific purpose. And so it's, we don't want people to get the word shelter stuck in their mind and Got think it. it's another shelter. This is a warming, it's like a warming station, essentially. Right. And, um, right. and yes, people will be sleeping there, but that's our goal with this is to keep people warm and not die. But when you think yeah. in terms of the, of the numbers, right? I mean, at the most, you're you're handling thirty people at the most, right? And mm-hmm. you've said that we've probably got close to a hundred, right? So, wow, right? Yeah, it's it's a big difference, and um, I will say that there's probably a good chunk of that that list that have you know they either are doubled up or they have um, a, a vehicle, and so. It's, you know, not as critical as some of the others, but I, I even hesitate to say that we have elderly living in their vehicles who are getting, you know, swollen legs and swollen feet and edema and, um, even types of bed sores just from having to sit in their vehicle because, you know, they're older and they can't get in and out as easy. And so, um, or they can't recline or lay down. And so, I want to say that, yes, there are some that maybe are better off because they have a vehicle, but sometimes that's actually um, even worse, and it, it's almost a burden for them at that point. Um, so, yeah, we, now, we've got I, I quite a few this, people to take care of. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I think the state, I I thought I read something the other day that the, the state is looking to um, get involved in terms of funding, some some way they're they are they're wanting to address homelessness so yeah they this they passed an emergency ordinance um i think that our new governor did and or i'm sorry an emergency executive order that's what it was and um for homelessness and i know that there's funding that's going to be coming down um but we have not heard word back on that yet and that was a few weeks ago so supposed to be any time, but right. I haven't heard yet. And, and we are due, CORE is due to get some of that funding to expand, but the, t- you know, the clock's ticking really. So. Well, it's, it's particularly dangerous when you've got the kind of cold weather that we have, when you've got, you know, hail coming out of the, I mean, I sat in my driveway today for about 10 minutes because it was hailing and I yeah, couldn't get out of my car. Pieces. I know. I mean, I don't know if they were marble size, but they were getting pretty close. I know. I know. Yeah. And my house was just, you know, 50 feet away, but 
I wasn't going to get out of the car mm-hmm. as long as that ice was coming down. So, oh, yeah. Diana. So, uh, so hopefully, you know, as hideous as it is that it takes somebody dying, hopefully Dana's death will inspire some change. Yeah, that's that's always the way it goes, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's the whole reason the Kelly shelter was, you know, stood up was because of the gentleman that died named Kelly. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, how sad that we, we keep creating and, and naming these centers and spaces after people who've died and suffered and it should, it should be preventative and proactive. And that's what we yep. yell for all the time, but yep. um, that's not. Yep what ends up happening and 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 sometimes it just seems like it mm -hmm. takes it takes a tragedy before the information permeates that that this Mm -hmm. is avoidable we don't need to do this yeah yeah i'm gonna hope that it's you know that we don't have to have anybody else die you know i mean that would be we're hoping so too yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to say, I know we have to go and I want to say that I'm really extremely grateful and appreciative of Humble Area Foundation and Wild Rivers, especially, you know, Mar- Michelle Carrillo for really being such a driver of this yesterday and getting this going. And then really, especially down here in Brookings, a lot for, you know, Coast Community Health for their support and um, St. Timothy's. Uh, you know, Cora has been with me from the first moment of this. We've been, um, she's probably as tired as I am, I'm sure. And <laughs> the food bank and Orca for getting all that down here. And and I'm I'm super excited for um, Gold Beach and curious to hear how that's going tomorrow. So, yep. um, but yeah, there's so many people I wish I could, ha- I wish I had enough time to name everybody, but there's just right. been a huge effort, so... Well, let's publicly say thank you to all of the people who have really worked hard on this. Yes, thank you to all the people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right, so we're out of time. (laughs) There it goes. Yeah. Um, But thank you for everything that you're doing, Diana. Yeah. Really, thank you so much. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Stay informed about what is going on around you and what is being done in your name. Sometimes without your approval. I'm Candace <laughs> Michelle, and this is our community. 